thank you to Pastor Gowan and Hannah and the rest of the leadership team for giving me the opportunity to share again today with you. Um, can I just put in a quick disclaimer? Um, a few weeks ago, we had the guys out here promoting the Connect group for Maine, and some of them used the term Pastor Emmanuel, Pastor, and all that. And I said, oh my God, they're going to put me in trouble now. <laughs> um, I am not necessarily ordained as a pastor, uh, but I do understand the context in which, obviously, they've used it. But we do know who the pastors here who have been properly ordained and they're sort of full-time into it. I'm just a guy who loves Jesus. And I've been chasing after him since just a few months before I turned 13. He knocked me off my high horses and, uh, and blinded me with his grace. And I'm blinded by his grace and I'm happy with it. All I can see is God's grace on my life. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Today we're going to conclude the series, Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. Today's topic says, Mind the Gap between your reality and the ideal. Now, gaps are everywhere. Structural gaps, psychological gaps, cognitive gaps, relationship gaps, etc. I could give you a whole list. Some gaps are okay, some are not. Some need to be closed. Some are there for a purpose. The gap between the panes, the glass panes in your double glazed window is there for a purpose, right? The gap at bank station on central line platform, as you're approaching there, it says, mind the gap, mind the gap, is there for a reason. Or the embankment. Now, there are some gaps in our journey in life that need to be filled. You may have a gap sometimes between your dream in life and where you are today, a gap between who you see yourself to be and what other people think you are, a gap between uh, the beautiful girl or the handsome young man you said, I do too, some years ago, and the guy who is at home now, <laughs> a gap between the ideal children and the gifts, the bundle of joy you received that's come along with some long-term challenges. Maybe you've got a child that's off the rails. Maybe you've got a child with learning difficulties or some special needs. It's a challenge. That's a gap between all the dreams you had about having a beautiful young boy come up nicely and grow up nicely. Today is so, somewhat different. That's a gap there. Today we're going to be talking about what can help you fill those gaps in life. Or maybe your dream job the dream boss. It was the ideal, but now you have a nightmare of a boss who is on your case all the time. Maybe there's a widening gap between you and the Joneses. You're still chasing the Joneses. You didn't hear the fight for bankruptcy. Or maybe there's a widening, ever-widening gap between how you look and your appearance with the Kardashians if you're trying to keep up. <laughs> In all those Botox things and stuff, um, sometimes the gap is just too wide, you never ever get there. I've got some support here. Do you know, I learned very early in life that as long as I am here in this world, there will always be somebody better than me. There will be always somebody who can preach more than I do. Somebody who is more handsome than I am. Somebody who is richer than I am. Somebody who is smarter, more privileged than I am. But it's okay. They've got their own stuff happening. I've got my own stuff happening. And that's okay. 
I may look like Prince Harry, <laughs> but I don't want to be. <laughs> now, listen, listen. You know we've got royal blood. Both of us have got royal blood running in our veins, yeah? Some of you get it. The Bible says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You need to be comfortable in your skin. I am comfortable in my skin. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know where I'm headed in life. So what's the point comparing myself with you? You run your race, I'll run mine. There's no basis for comparison. Tonight, the gap between you, the dissatisfaction, the emptiness people feel, come from not knowing who they are, where they're headed in life. You don't even know what you've been given. You're looking for what you don't have. You don't recognize what you do have. I've learned that there are seasons of life that come and go. Men are in sizes and life unfolds in seasons. I just need to size up to the season of my life and be happy there. Because by the time summer comes, I'll be rocking a different kind of life. It may be winter today, but your summer is coming. Maybe spring, you're coming out of something or you're going into it. That's the way life is. Some people think life is like uh, good and bad and so on. No, it's a mix, a mash of everything together. It depends on what you pay attention to. There's something good happening all the time. There's something not too good happening all the time. We've got the good, the bad, the ugly mixed together. How happy and content you are sometimes depends on what you pay attention to. I'm going to read some scriptures now, which will give us a bit of a text that we can build on. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. It says, but I rejoice in the Lord. This is Paul, Apostle Paul writing. Greatly now at last your care of me has flourished again. And though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And I know how to be abased. I know how to be hungry and to be full, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Paul was writing from prison or under house arrest. And he was not sure what the sentence would be. He wasn't even sure he was going to make it out alive the next day. But he was writing to people saying, I'm all right. Look at, watch yourselves. I'm good. I'm good. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm headed. I'm content. Whether I'm hungry or not, I'm good. I can do it. I can handle it. I can do life through Christ who makes me who I am. Where does your value in life come from? Who makes you who you are? How do you define yourself worth? How do you carry yourself? Listen to me. If you're not comfortable in your skin, I'm telling you, the whole world cannot make, nobody's going to fix you. You've got to fix that first and everything else will begin to fall into place. You need to know who you are, whose you are, where you're headed, what's going on for you to be able to understand the value God places on you. Now, when I was looking to get married and I was searching and I found Florence, you know, I started my usual raps, you know. I was very good with, you know. <laughs> so I said, listen, do you know, I actually, I just found that I'm drawn to tall, skinny, you know, young girls, you know. 
believe it or not, I, say, I said that. <laughs> yes, we do say such things. Um, now, she, she, I'm not sure what she was about then. She said to me, oh yeah, I've grown up also liking very tall guys. <laughs> very tall guys. So I, I waited for her to stand, so I stood beside her just to check that I, at least I was taller. And then when I was sure I was taller by a few inches at least, we sat back down and, and she started again. I said, listen, if any guy who is after you is taller than I am, the guy is too tall. He's <laughs> too tall for you. <laughs> listen, if anybody is taller than you are, they're too tall. If they're shorter than you are, they're too short. If they're fairer, they're too fair. You need to be comfortable in who you are. There are a lot of people who do get through all sorts of heartache wanting to change who they are. You, you, you hurt yourself. You need to accept who you are. And you need to understand that. I'm going to read exactly the same verse again, but from a different translation. Maybe you get a different view to it. And I'll read from the message translation. Okay? It's going to come up on the screen. I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found a recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full, hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. And he wasn't trying to say I didn't need the money that they sent because they sent some gifts to him. He was just saying something about being content with or without. You're happy and you're satisfied. What is contentment? Well, what is contentment? Not. Contentment does not mean having no drives, no passion, no dreams. No. Doesn't mean settling for less. Doesn't mean leading a mediocre life. Some people think becoming a Christian means you don't have any passion, no dreams, nothing. Just, you know, boring. No, that's not what it is. But we do know some people who switch off once they become Christians. That's not what God has called us to do. What is the Oxford Dictionary definition of contentment? It says it's a state of happiness and satisfaction. The Cambridge says it's happiness and satisfaction often because you've got everything you need, and I beg to differ. So I'll give you the Okoro's Dictionary online. It says contentment is a peaceful and confident state of mind. That, that is based on God's faithfulness. Because you know that he who has called you will not leave you nor forsake you. You know that it might be hard at the moment. It will be difficult for you at the moment. But that's just a season of life. It's not coming to stay. It's coming to pass. God is not done with me yet. God is at work in my life. And when he's finished with me, I'll come through as gold. Now, Paul went through quite a lot in his life. He came to the point where he could say, I have learned to be happy, no matter what state I'm in. What were Paul's credentials? Let's just look through some of the things Paul went through in his life. 
Now, there's a scripture I want to read, but it's in Philippians chapter 3. You could take, that, take notes and read it at home. But it simply lays out Paul's qualifications, his experience in life. He studied under some of the topmost lecturers in his time. He was a good top brass guy. He did everything in life with passion. He was so zealous, he kept all the Ten Commandments. He, he did much more. <laughs> he actually persecuted the church thinking he was doing the right thing. So we all know the story about Paul. He was a terrible guy. He was a, like the A, alpha, you know, male type, go-getter guy, passionate. But then when Jesus knocked him off the horse and put him to his knees and blinded him, actually, and I'm not sure where Stomsey got that from. Maybe it's Paul's experience. But blinded him with the grace that came upon him. But he became a completely transformed man. Let's just read through some of the things that led him through learning to be content. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23. Now, Paul was writing somewhere in the middle. He said, I have worked harder than most of the apostles. I've been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count. At death's door, sometime, uh, door after time, and time again. I've been flogged five times with the Jewish 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for a night and a day, in hard traveling year in, year out. I've found ford, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard work, many a long and lonely nights without sleep, many a missed meals, blasted by the cold, naked back to the weather. And that's not the half of it. When you throw in all the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches, and when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. I've had to brag about myself. If I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Christ. The eternal and blessed God, Father of our Master Jesus, knows I'm not lying to you. Remember the time I was in Damascus and the governor of King Aretas posted in God's hands, he can mold you into shape based on what he has in mind for you. The seasons of your life are not there to destroy you. They're there to make you. Our lives unfold in seasons. God molds you through those seasons. And God is interested not just in your comfort. He's interested in your character. He's interested in bringing you to the man, the woman that he wants you to be. There are four gaps I need, we need to mind in life on our journey today. Thinking about reality and the ideal. Number one, mind the gap between your ego and the cross. Now, Jesus had to strip himself of all that he was, and he laid down and died, and he was crucified on the cross, etc. Now, we have a few scriptures there that give us a bit of a sense of what happened, which we might read or not, depending on how time goes. But let me speak to you about ego, just very briefly. If I use the term ego, some of you will remember somebody very quickly. Some people have overinflated ego, yeah? Do you know somebody like that? Yes. Who is never wrong? <laughs> somebody very sure about that here. 
never wrong, always right. Everybody else doesn't know what they're talking about. They're always on top of their game. But the thing is that sometimes they can be mistaken. There's somebody called a guy who actually was the father of psychoanalysis and all the models that developed over time from that, called Sigmund Freud. Some of you would have heard about Freud. Now, he tried to help us understand the ego, and I'll tell you the biblical uh, sort of interpretation of that or equivalent of that from Paul's perspective. Freud said the ego is split into three, yeah? This conscious level of our existence is on top. It's a bit like an iceberg with 10% showing and 90% submerged. The subconscious has the eed, the super ego and the ego in the middle. The eed is those, uh, will describe those raw drives that we have. You know, when you want something, you want it now. It doesn't matter whose ox is God, yeah? If you want something, you just want to get it. Those drives, hunger, sexual uh, desires, and all those passions that drive us. And it doesn't really matter who you know, is hurt in the process. You just want what you want, and you want it now. The superego is the conscience that tries to sort of want you to temper the, the E to say, actually, somebody's going to be hurt by what you're saying. You know, can you just you know, take it easy? There's something about you that makes you feel bad. Even if you're not a Christian, you think you've done wrong. Your conscience is still there. But there are some people whose conscience sort of died, they're dead. They could look at you and say anything to you and they don't even feel anything. No remorse whatsoever. They can blast you and walk away and blame you for making them blast you. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's like it's your fault. If you didn't wind me up, I wouldn't have said what I said. <laughs> they're never wrong. But the ego is caught in the middle somewhere trying to listen to the eed or the conscience, and you're squeezed in the middle. You find that you're actually in a place where you don't know who you are anymore. But your ego describes yourself, the way you perceive yourself, as distinct from other people. Those complex inner structures, your ideas about yourself, your belief system, your views about yourself. Some people have a very fragile ego. So we try to protect ourselves from other people and we develop defenses that help us keep away from other people. Denials, for example. You've got lung cancer, you're a smoker, and the doctor says you need to stop smoking. You say, no, nah, it's all right, it's fine. You've just lost somebody, and you can't quite accept that they're gone. You're in denial of the fact that they're gone. Some people will repress some of those bad feelings that have come from terrible experiences in the past, because you're trying to protect yourself from being, you know, damaged or destroyed. But I tell you, the displacements that we have, your boss giving you a bad day and you're coming home to kick the dog or shout at the kids, yeah? Those are some of the things that we are not quite aware that we're doing. But I tell you, uh, sometimes we need to understand that Jesus nailed all that to the cross. You have to come and say, Lord, this is the man, this is the old man that I am. And give it to Jesus. Let's see what the Bible says about the old man, which is an equivalent of the ego. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I, the old man, have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, 
who loved me and who gave himself off for me. Now, I'm going to skip the next few scriptures, but just to say, sometimes your interpretation of yourself might be wrong, and you need to listen to people around you. Those who know you well can speak some truth to you. The ego tends to judge other people by their actions, but judges itself by its intentions. We all have blind spots, and sometimes you need the truth told to you. Even Jesus asked people in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? He wanted to find out. Mind the gap between who you think you are and what you are, really, and who you are, really. You need to tell yourself some hard truths. We all have our issues. We all have our problems. We are all work in progress. But you need to accept where you are in life and be okay with that because God is still at work in you. Does that make sense? Number two, mind the gap between your thought life and the truths of the Word of God. Everything we do in life starts with the thoughts. Everything you think ends up being what you feel. And what you feel ends up being what you act out eventually. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You are the sum total of your thoughts. If you dwell hard long enough on it, you're going to feel it and you're going to do it. If you think low, you will feel low, you will act low. If you think angry, you will feel angry, you will act angry. If you feel less than, you will feel, if you think less than, you feel less than, you will be less than. Amen. What are we saying? Change it all around. You stand or fall based on what you allow going to your head. You stand or fall in between your ears. For as a man thinketh, so is he. Switch it around. Find what God says about you. Romans 3, 4 says, Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. How do you measure what is true? By the word of God. If God didn't say that about me, who are you to say that about me? The Lord didn't say I'm rubbish. You think I'm good for nothing? But that's a lie because that's not what God said about me. He placed so much value on me. He died for me. If God sent his son to die for you, you are of great value. Why would you want to kill yourself? Why would you get to the point where you are hopeless and you want to die? Do you understand what value God has placed on you? Yes, you've messed up. You've made some big-time mistakes, but you still have a whole life ahead of you. And I'm telling you, God is not true with you yet. All that you've come through will play out in the future. That's a future relevance to what you've been through. And the Lord will want to use it to mold you into the person he wants you to be and use it to bless people around you. Every pain has a purpose in it. Number three, mind the gap between your world and the world. The Bible says we are not of this world. Let's read a scripture that helps us understand this. This is Jesus speaking. John 17, 14 to 18, he said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. I do pray that you should take them, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me to this world, I also have sent them. 
1 John 2, 16 says, For all that is in this world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is lust? Lust is wanting it so bad, you can't be happy until you've got it. Lust and covetousness is, I'm going to get rich quick or die trying. <laughs> because you don't recognize what you already have. There's another scripture that says, actually, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation and all that. First Peter 2.9. We are new creations in Christ. We have a completely different value system. We don't measure our self-worth based on our net worth. I am not worth what I own or possess, for the life of the man does not consist in the abundance of what he has. You don't measure yourself by what you've got or what you don't have. You are much more valuable than that. Nobody's going to get out here alive. Life is so risky, you can't get out alive. We're all going to die someday. And you're taking nothing with you. I guarantee you that. You're not going to go out with your Mercedes and Audi and all that. Your fantastic, beautiful house, you will leave it for some other people to live in. You need to keep perspective and be content with where you are. You need to be happy with the stage of life where you found yourself. That's just a season of life. A time will come when you'll be in a better place. Get that and be content and satisfied because of whose you are and what God is doing in your life. Now, Luke 12, 15 says, and he said to them, this is Jesus again, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things they've got. How many celebrities do you know who've killed themselves? Yeah? They've got everything. They look good, they've got the goods, but they harm themselves. Because that's not what life is about. Life is not about what you've got. That's a whole lot more to life. Therefore, if you have food and drink, the Bible says, there will be content. Count your blessings. We're going to get to the point where you look around. There's so much good around you. You don't even know what's going on. There's so much to be grateful for. What does it mean to covet? It means to want what somebody else has. And until you've got it, you're not satisfied. First Timothy 6, verse 6. It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out of it. Mark chapter 8 verse 36. I told you I'll give you plenty of scriptures. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Therefore, Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says, therefore be not conformed to this world. Don't think like the world does but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and acceptable will of God. You need to jump off the rat race. Even if you win it, you're still a rat. <laughs> Get off the rat race. <laughs> okay, finally. <laughs> finally, my time's going. Mind the gap between time and eternity. Be content with the plan of God. God has a plan, and it's time limited. Let me tell you something some, some of you may But listen to me. 
Of what use is it that you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Now, typically, every guy here, every lady here would work at least two-thirds of their lives, looking after family, raising kids, all that, and saving for your retirement. Is it correct? You retire around 65, 70, it may be 80 before long, except if you vote out some people. I don't know, but it might go up. Now, listen. Then you spend one-third of your lifespan trying to enjoy your labors. That, that can't be right. That can't be right. And at that stage, some of you, some of the people are already struggling with their health and other issues. Mind the gap between time and eternity. Have a sense of what you're doing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He makes everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in the hearts of men so that they don't ever forget that there's a vacuum there. So the emptiness you feel, God put it there. Because God inhabits eternity. He lives in eternity. So you put eternity in man's heart. So no matter what you've got, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in life, you don't feel satisfied. There's still something missing somewhere until you find God in your life. You won't be happy. You won't be content. You won't be satisfied. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we do look at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen, but not the things which are seen, sorry, I'll read again. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And finally, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, plan to favor you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 90, 12, not Teach us to number our days so we can apply our hearts to wisdom. Mind the gap between life and eternity. Keep eternity in view. I'm going to wrap up now by pointing out three things you could do to make sure that you stay content. Number one, Never compare yourself with anybody. Second Corinthians 10 12, it says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. For they, measuring themselves amongst themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Why should I compare myself with anybody? You have to be happy with who you are, happy with where you are, happy with where you're going. Everybody can run their race, run yours. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has packaged you exactly like you should be. That guy that's looking around is looking for somebody packaged just as you. Why do you want to be somebody else? Why do you want somebody else? You need to be who you are. Number two, count your blessings daily. There's much more to life than money and stuff. You are in good health. Come on, come on. There are a lot of people in hospitals today struggling with one thing or the other, but you're here. Like I said in the other services, there's some people who've gone through what you have gone through and they've lost their minds. But you're still here. Tell somebody by your side, I'm still here. Come on, say it like you mean it, I'm still standing. The enemy has hit me with his best shot, but I'm still standing. Why? Because I know whose I am. 
I know who I am. I know where I'm headed. And I know God has got a plan for me. And finally, enjoy the moment. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, you can read it at home. It says, go your way, eat your bread. Enjoy with your family. Enjoy with the wife of your youth. For God now accepts your labors. He says, all this is vexation of spirit. Vanity upon vanity. All is vanity. None of us are going to get out here alive. Enjoy the moment while you can. Maybe you need to book in that holiday and to get some time of work. Some of us work so hard when you come home, nobody's home. They're all gone. <laughs> when are you going to enjoy that money? Take some time and enjoy the moment. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is not here. All we've got is here and now. Make it what? Count. Enjoy yourself. After now, if you need to get out for lunch, dress up, smell good, look good, enjoy yourself. Bible said that's your portion in the land of believing. Because while we're headed, you won't be needing all this stuff. I'm going to pray now. Can we just rise up? The Lord needs to say something specific to somebody here this afternoon. And that's somebody who's been so frustrated with the season of life that you're in now. You found yourself in a place where you're so depressed. You're contemplating dying. I said this in the second service and not in the first service. I feel the need to say it again now. You've struggled with depression. You've had suicidal thoughts. Listen to me. Don't do it. You've tried it already. Once, twice. And you're contemplating doing it again because you can't find a way out. You feel so hopeless. You can't even see. You can't even see who you are. You can't even see what God has put in you. You can't even see the potentials God has put in you. You can't even see the future and the plan that God has for you. And you're stuck in the season that you are in. And you can't see a way out of it. I'm telling you today, don't do it. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God loved you so much, he sent Jesus to die. Don't do it. Look for help. Reach for help. God has a plan for you. And it's a great plan. And I'd just like to pray. If you're here, you felt the vacuum, the emptiness on your inside. You've got everything life can offer. You've gotten the dream of, you know, you've been chasing. But you're still not satisfied. And you want to say, Jesus, I can see God has made it that way. That the emptiness will not be filled by anything else but by you. I do want to accept you into my life today. Take my hands and lead me on a new journey. An adventure with you, Jesus. I want to walk with you from now on. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I just want to pray for you in the last 60 seconds of this service. All eyes closed now. You're right here. You need to make peace with God. That's a long story behind where you've come from. But it doesn't matter because where you're headed is much better than where you've come from. Can you shoot up your right hand quickly and let me just see you. You need to know Jesus. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you very much. And up, up there as well in the gallery. God bless you. We're going to pray now. And after this service, please don't walk away. Just come to the guest lounge um, to the left once you exit these doors. And somebody will be there to speak with you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your plan for us. 
You've got a great good plan for us. Would you lead these people and reveal yourself today? Would you start something new in these lives today? Would you heal the brokenness that people have come Would you open a new chapter? Would you start something new? Let the hopelessness dissipate. And would you set our eyes on what you've done and the value that you placed on us? That we can embrace the truth and dump the lies of the enemy. The lie that says we will never get up from where we've come from. We'll never break away from our past. We'll never get there. We'll never make it. We'll never have a stable relationship. And we can embrace the truth of your word today. Knowing that you do have a plan. And it's a fantastic plan. Knowing that you've got a future and a hope. That nothing can take from us. Thank you, Lord. As you lead these people to a personal revelation of you their lives will never be the same again we command depression to lift off them now we'll break the chains of addiction and Lord will receive the light of the gospel in every dark places of life we'll receive the light that liberates that sets free your word says we will know the truth and the truth will set us free Thank you, Lord, tonight. Thank you, Lord, this afternoon. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name.